live long and prosper. Well, I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. What a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Until he's coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, whole Kermit Frog here. Your ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Ooh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 153 of A Play on Nerds. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman. <laughs> and we are here this week the to celebrate the television phenomenon that is She-Hulk. Yes. Capturing the eyes of Marvel fans everywhere, because it's the only thing on right now. <laughs> the only Marvel show celebrate it. We're going to talk about uh, a female superhero on the big screen who precedes She-Hulk. I think that needs to get recognized and gets forgot about a lot. Absolutely. And that is... 1984's Supergirl, the film. That's right. And not the show, which has got very popular in its own accord in the Arrowverse on the CW, but the thing that started it all, the 1984 Supergirl movie. We'll delve into that a little bit later on. Before we hop into that kiddie pool, do we have any feedback this week? (laughs) I think you have some feedback, don't you? I do. I was chatting with a guy from work about something work-related, and he was like, oh, yeah, and I think it was the Olympus Has Fallen White House Down episode. Mentioned this. Oh, yeah, that was real good. I was like, holy crap, he listens. <laughs> so, Bill, listened. this is for you. Thank you for listening. Here's your shout out. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> we appreciate it. Well, Steve, what have you been up to since the last time we recorded? It's been a while. Uh, just working. Uh, we've got, I can say it because it's on the television. We have an Apple event coming up. Oh. And so it's a very exciting but busy time of the year for many people at work. What event is that? Uh, it's, I don't know, some release event. Okay. <laughs> nine on nine, seven. Yeah. Nine, seven, maybe. Okay. Cause I don't really Let follow Apple stuff, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. Neither do I. Um, <laughs> Even though you work for them. <laughs> it's different when you work for them. Though. <laughs> like it's very different. You're uh, in a yeah, little, little bubble. Uh, yeah. So that's happening. So it's just a very fun and busy time at work because of that. Gotcha. Um, and then coming up, we're getting ready. Uh, so I've got Monday off for, was it Labor Day? Labor Day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Labor Day. And uh, then I work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I got off because we're taking a long weekend to celebrate Joyce's sixth birthday. Woo! And our daughter has really gotten the shaft the last two years. Oh, yeah, for from, sure. From birthdays. Uh, two years ago. We booked this beautiful cabin right on a river, like Creekside. She could go down and splash around. Um, I bought like a trolling magnet things. I thought that'd be fun. And it was right during the fires. So the oh. sky was like hazy, orange, yellow. There was no light. Everyone had to wear masks, but not for COVID reasons. Right. Uh, we got to enjoy the water just a little bit before we just realized like we can't be cooped up in a small cabin for a long weekend. Like I'd rather just be cooped up at home. Right. So we came home and then last, last uh, birthday, rented a cabin, beautiful, right on a Creek down, just a small hike down, lots of rooms, kind of a unique sleeping space. So Joyce could have her own space. And on the first day there, the power went out. Oh, geez. And I was like, all right, we're going to give it to like five because we can't 
it's like dark up here, like dark, dark. It's going to be cold. Like we can't just be out here with no power. And I went to the grocery store and to pick up lunch. And I heard one of the guys like, oh yeah, I got a generator. Yeah. Last time I was out for three days. And I was like, God damn. So we left not knowing like we set a time. And so we had to bring her home from that too. Wow. You have so her like, last two birthdays have been awful. You have all these Griswold style like vacations that you go on for birthdays and stuff. They just end Except up like for, vacation movies. But the difference is, is that while Clark Griswold will double down and insist his family has fun, I go, all right, let's just go home. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like I just, I take that com- comedic situation and go, nah, no, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> not doing that. Clark always gets injured. I'm not doing that. It's true. So this time, uh, Anna's family's friend has a condo down in Santa Cruz that they offer out to people. Um, we're going down after Labor Day weekend, so nobody wants it. And so we, we have the condo for a nice long weekend down at Santa Cruz Beach. And little known fact, Santa Cruz stands for St. Tom Cruz. That's right. That's true. <laughs> uh, St. Thomas Cruz. Oh, excuse me. Yes. Thank you very much. He's his full given name. <laughs> his Christian name. <laughs> uh, Sajara, what have you been up to? <laughs> well... I went to a fun event the other day. My my aunt uh, texted me out of nowhere, who's recently moved to Orlando within the last couple of years. And she buys lots of tickets to theater and cultural events and stuff because she's a retired ER doctor. Um, and she suddenly sends me a text saying, hey, I got you and your fiance tickets to this show coming up at the Dr. Phillips Center. It's this giant, beautiful new performing arts center here where they have all the touring Broadway shows come to. But they also have a little black box theater where into like little indie theater companies and community theaters can rent out if they have enough money to do a little black box theater. And the show is called Stardate 1970, which is why I bring it up on this show, Ooh. Play on Nerds. And I was like, oh, I'm already intrigued. And so the premise was uh, basically it's the Starship Enterprise, but they use different names because they can't for copyright right. reasons. So for it's like reasons. instead of Spock, it's Spark and, you know, Captain Jerk instead of Captain Kirk. Uh, it was kind of cute. But most of the cast was all over 60. It was adorable. And these aliens go onto the Enterprise saying that they're going to destroy humanity because they heard a, a radio broadcast and it was it sounded very violent. And they play one of these songs. It was like a an angry song from the 70s. And the crew, Captain Jerk included, it's like, no, a lot of songs from the 70s were about peace and love and happiness and spreading good good parts of humanity. And they're like, we don't believe you. And I was like, well, let's go to the holodeck. And we'll fi- even though there wasn't a holodeck on the original series, but I'll, right, give, them oh, that, true. I'll give them that leeway. Uh, but so they go to the holodeck in quotations and they transport or create uh, scenarios where they have the people just performing songs from the 70s and big dance numbers and stuff and crazy costumes and wigs and things. Okay. So it was really cute. It's like a musical review, but in the framework of aliens going onto the Enterprise and um, and they casted a woman as Bones. And so Bones um, is apparently having sex with a woman in his cabin, so he can't be contacted. And Captain Jerk's like, I don't care. Get him up here to the bridge. Transport him up. And so, but sir, it's very dangerous to transport someone when they're uh, inside someone else. <laughs> He's like, I don't care. Do it anyway. <laughs> and so when he transports Bones to the bridge, it accidentally turns him into a woman because it, it like amalgamates ah, the two of them together. All right, I see what they did there. <laughs> so the whole show is, 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 you see as Bones comes back on the stage between musical numbers, him being more accustomed to his female body and liking it more and more. And then finally, in the end, he comes out in like a little, the cute like Starfleet uniform from uh, the 60s. <laughs> Anyways, it was it was very cute. That was what I was up to uh, uh, this past week. So it was a lot of fun. Well, that certainly is nerdy. Oh, and another big thing: the night before the same Dr. Phillips Center, I went to this benefit to benefit the Ukrainian people um, here in Orlando. Is um, the only place. So basically, the Ukrainian ballet uh, went to Japan to perform a show 
after the war had already began in Ukraine and all the funds were going to go back to Ukraine to help people there and get them food and supplies. And they made one more stop and it was in Orlando because a, a former Ukrainian citizen ran the ballet in, in Orlando for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's still a big figure here. So my parents, uh, our immigration attorneys, they helped get um, all these dancers into the country for this event. So we got free VIP tickets to go um, to the VIP party beforehand and then see the ballet Ooh. performance afterwards. And all of, it's funny because all these people were running for office here for the um, the primaries. And the people that we were voting for were at the event. It was pretty cool. Oh, that's so, pretty cool. Yeah. So it was just neat seeing a lot of, you know, who's who of Orlando is all these rich people that have too much money. And they, yeah, your elbow sore from all that rubbing. Oh, that elbow rubbing. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> but that was yeah. a cool like one time event. And so it was really neat and cool ballet performance. So, yeah, that's what I've been up to. But Very I think neat. that takes us to some nerdy news. <laughs> that was the wrong song. It's time for <laughs> no flags. You do it live. Do it live. All right. So my nerdy news today is called Space Farts from Holes. <laughs> I love that title so much. Uh, so me may have heard of this big story, but uh, it was pretty cool. NASA astronomers collected the sounds of gas in the galaxy cluster Perseus and extracted the sound waves from the center, and they resynthesized them to a range audible to humans, amplified them, and released for the first time the sound of a black hole, which is pretty cool. And the tweet from NASA with the sound, it says, the misconception that there is no sound in space originates because most humans, uh, because most space is a vacuum, providing no way for sound waves to travel. And a galaxy cluster has so much gas that we've picked up an actual sound, and here it is, amplified and mixed with other data to hear a black hole. And Steven, I have that sound to play right now. Oh, but... <laughs> that was it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Here it is. All right. Man, if someone would have told me like 20 years ago <laughs> that the black hole is just going to sound like general Star Trek noises. Yeah. It sounds I'm not like sure the, I would have believed them. the machines in the background, like in engineering just going around. Or just I'm really hungry and it's my stomach growling. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's the sound of a black hole. I thought that was uh, that was pretty neat. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I guess that takes us into our discussion of 1984's Supergirl. And I've got, so I tried to make this a quick summary, but somehow this summary ended up longer than any other summary. (laughs) But like nothing happens in this movie. Okay. So Argo City, there's a community of Kryptonian survivors. It's in like exospace or something. Oh, we should mention real quick first. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but we should mention before you go into the the story that this is supposedly supposed to be in canon with Christopher Reeve's Superman movies. Yeah, she is his cousin. And yeah, and they even mentioned him in a poster of actual Christopher Reeve Superman. So it's supposed to be in continuity with that. Sorry about that. Uh, and Jimmy Olsen's there. We'll get to it. We'll get yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Argo City, Kryptonian survivors. They're rebuilding their society. This guy named Zaltar, Zaltar is messing with this thing they need to make their entire society run. And through an accident, it flies through a hole and just jettisons out into space, dooming the colony to death. <laughs> Zaltar is going to be put in a mirror prison in the negative zone. Uh, but then, uh, what the heck's her name? Kara, Kara, Kara yeah. L, Kara L, 
uh, hops in a space pod and rips through exospace into outer space and goes and, and heads to earth following this orb. Meanwhile, on, on earth, a witch, <laughs> Selena <laughs> finds the orb and starts learning how to harness her power. <laughs> Supergirl gets to earth, realizes she has powers there. There's a seven and a half minute flying montage. <laughs> Nothing else happens but her floating around. She eventually floats her way to the big city, and immediately some guys try to rape her. God. Thank God she beats the crap out of them. Immediately. And we sort of, she sort of is in this series discovering what her powers are. So she now knows she has super strength and heat vision, and she can fly. Uh, Selena has assembled a coven, I guess, and wants to take over the world. She displays her power by torturing a woman with a terrible baby voice. And her boyfriend, Nigel, uh, tries to make her jealous. It's real bad. Uh, Supergirl sleeps in the park like a homeless person and wakes up <laughs> to a girl's softball game and is like, I'm going to just be a student. And so she goes and joins the student body. She gets introduced to her roommate, who is Lois Lane's sister, Lucy Lane. She's the one with the the, super, the Superman poster on her wall. Yeah. It's all very convenient. <laughs> uh, she plays field hockey. There are these girls that try to spite her. And these girls are ready to like violently and brutally scald their classmates like third degree burn their classmates when Kara L stops them. Selena's brewing up trouble though. And she makes a love potion because she fell in love with a gardener. <laughs> yeah, it's really important to the story. And she's like, gardener come garden my house. And so he goes and she, she hits him with this potion and he like stumbles around drunk. And the whole thing is supposed to be the first person he sees is the one he falls in love with, but he clearly sees hundreds of people. <laughs> Not close up, Clearly. man. <laughs> Not close up. Uh, he wanders the streets in a haze. Um, and Selena's like, get him back. So she takes over some big, heavy machinery to go and get him back. It rampages through the town. And then student Kara becomes Supergirl and takes on the machine and saves the guy. Um, Man, I just lost track of where I was because there's so much crap that goes on in this movie. Oh, you skipped a couple uh, things. That's why. Oh, no, you didn't. You're good. No, I'm pretty You're good. good. You just I th me that. think. Uh, let's see. Power lines. Ethan falls in love with her then because she he sees her but didn't see anyone else. Uh, Selena is pissed. And so she threatens to destroy the school with like some phantasmal force we don't actually see. And Supergirl fights a storm with a lamppost, I guess. <laughs> Supergirl uses her a tracking device that she's had this entire time. <laughs> But finally decides to go find this friggin' orb that's literally going to save her people from death. Uh, but she gets distracted by a boy. Go figure. The gardener. Um, the same gardener. Yeah, the gardener. Selena shows up, declares herself the ultimate. This is great. She refers herself as the ultimate siren of Endor. So my theory <laughs> is that she's a dark sister from the Star Wars universe and or an Ewok. I didn't catch that. <laughs> she said I had to rewind it. I was like, what? The ultimate siren of Endor. <laughs> Um, cool. Selena and Supergirl face off at like a funhouse carnival. Um, Supergirl gets Ethan out of there, and Selena calls Nigel, a guy who has so little to do with the plot that it doesn't matter, uh, and wants him to go get Ethan so he, she can lure in Supergirl. Supergirl and Ethan kiss by the waterfront, but he feels guilty because he's cheating on her alter ego, and she just keeps like trying to tell him it's okay, but he just doesn't get it. People are so stupid. <laughs> uh, Selena um, turns on Nigel and uses the orb to like 
and a voodoo wand that somehow now is involved to transform him into a shabby older man. And for some reason, he has lipstick. on. <laughs> but the next time we see him, none of this is true. Yeah, for some reason. Suddenly, right next to town, a mountain with a castle on top of it appears. Supergirl flies up, finds Ethan chained up, but then, oh, she's been lured into a mirror prison. She gets thrown off into space by Selena. Uh, it's very similar to Superman 4, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, back in town, Selena takes over the local police and declares herself ruler and starts to arrest anyone and everyone, including Lucy Lane and Jimmy Olsen, who literally has nothing to do except for cameo. <laughs> he has a thing for Lucy Lane, apparently. Uh, Supergirl lands on this like desolate planet, the Phantom Zone. She wanders around. She falls into some mud, but someone finds her. Oh, it's Zoltar, who's also been in the Phantom Zone. And he's like, there's no escape except for that one way to escape. <laughs> he's like a weird alcoholic now like, or something. Too. Go, yeah. Want to squirt? Like, it was so weird. You say you don't uh, want to squirt. <laughs> so they went and they go. And the the thing, the, the rift, I think they call it, is just a mountain they have to climb with a tornado next to it. <laughs> so they climb that. Selena, it opens up conveniently, like in the middle of a statue at Selena's place. Uh <laughs> Supergirl flies out. Zoltar dies. Selena summons a big monster, I guess, who threatens to crush Supergirl. Ethan able is able to shut down Selena's power by just putting a lid on a thing. That's literally what he did. Um, Supergirl then forms her own cyclone, pulling Selena back into the the portal to the Phantom Zone. The vortex sucks him in, and uh, Supergirl is left behind. She retrieves the sphere. Uh, Jane kisses Jimmy for some reason, I Jane? guess. Uh, Ju- who, who's it? Uh, Lucy? Judy. Lucy. Lucy. Okay. Yeah. Yes, Lucy. I was close. Jane. <laughs> Jane Lucy. Who's Jane? Lucy kisses Jimmy for some reason. <laughs> Ethan says goodbye to Supergirl and Supergirl takes the orb and flies into the ocean down to a crystal thing. And then the credits roll. <laughs> I think it was supposed to be her pod thing, but it didn't look like her pod thing. Oh, that's right, because that's where the pod landed initially. But it was, yeah, it wasn't really clear. And then she didn't go back yet. It just kind of goes to credits. It's like, bam. Done. Yeah, like she's really happy-go-lucky with like the weight of everyone she knows in the world hanging in the balance. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so, Jarman, what did you think of 1984's Supergirl? Oh, my God. It was... I, I'm very forgiving with movies, as you might know, listening to this podcast. Um, this one was a mess. <laughs> Just like all over the place. German is a film optimist. I know. And this one, I really tried. And I think, oh, it was just, yeah, it was written so poorly and just so disjointed and things weren't explained well. And let's, let's just go over some things we like. Yeah. That'll be the shorter part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. It was kind of refreshing to hear that there were other survivors and the fact that they went to like, they escaped to exospace sort of by accident was at least like, oh, that's comic book feasible. Yeah, I think that does happen in the comics, too, because they even do that in the Supergirl show, too. Argo is a real place and everything. So I think it's a thing. Um, So that was kind of nice. And I did genuinely like the gimmick that they they just gave up on it at one point uh, of Selena's lair being in an old horror ride and like a closed carnival that was so the weird. fact that people entered in and out on a little cart 
Yeah, that was so strange. Like I, for some reason, I found that very kooky, and it was almost, it felt almost like Burton esque, like something the Penguin would well, that's do true. in Batman too. But it just wasn't as good. <laughs> yeah, and it felt kind of like, um, like a Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. here comes the psychic lady. Yay! Uh, okay, was there anything you actually liked about this movie? Um. I did say I liked the whole opening scene. Made me feel very positive. I was like, oh, this movie's going to be kind of neat because I liked the whole opening scene on Argos with Zoltar and her family. I mean, it was a little silly that he was being so callous with this object that's so important to their civilization. But beyond that, like I thought it was, okay, I'm, I'm learning these characters. Obviously, Zoltar's going to be important. Kara seems so innocent. But then Zoltar wasn't important. Kara barely, barely has any lines throughout the movie. <laughs> so it's just like, nope, yeah. they kind of ruined that. But I did like that whole opening scene. So that's one thing I like. Um, I have more unless you don't have any more that you think you liked. No, that was it. That okay. Was me. Uh, I think Helen Slater was very well cast as Supergirl. Um, she seemed very she seemed to have that same kind of feeling of Christopher Reeve as being wholesome and sweet. But then at the same time, she could be authoritative, which she had to be like there's a couple times they gave her like one or two lines where she was able to show I'm strong, I'm powerful. And so I think she was very well cast. She just had a very bad script to work with. And. The characters were could have all been interesting, and because like Superman's weakness in the comics is kryptonite and magic, he's always susceptible to magic because he can't resist against that. So it was a good foe for her. The ideas were kind of almost in place. I'm being really trying here. I'm reaching. Yeah, you are. You are. But that just didn't execute it well. So I like the the idea of using magic as her opponent was something new. I thought that was a great idea, but then they just kind of lost it so what do you it dislike was just so, about this? <laughs> even but here's the thing in a movie called supergirl where like i expect to see superheroes supervillains aliens the fact that they were like yep she's a witch i was like what <laughs> no science why'd behind you, this <laughs> why'd you pick the one thing i just can't get behind right <laughs> um so some things i struggled with uh i mentioned this earlier the lack of urgency like everyone she knows is gonna die in like two days time i think she has a tracker that she doesn't use until she's been there overnight. <laughs> um, and of course, just like a lot of stuff from the eighties, a lot of the dialogue and situational stuff doesn't age well. No. Um, specifically when she lands and those two guys try to try to rape her. Yeah. Uh, after she beats them up and like throws them to the ground, one of them goes, Eddie, I think we should keep this to ourselves, which is in reference to the fact they got beat up by a woman and not, that they failed an attempted rape. Yeah. It's terrible. It was just one of those like, oh, that ages so poorly. <laughs> um and then at one point I think one of the mean girls says another girl is retarded. Yeah. Very brazenly. Um they were doing that to like two thousand six though, using that word everywhere. So the and then the love potion thing felt just so I th- I put petty and man written. Yeah. And what I didn't understand Selena's, is when he falls in, under the love spell, suddenly he turns all his language is Shakespearean. Like, what, what was that about? Right. If someone had an idea and nothing and and then it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. What, I can tell you what happened. Someone had an idea that he was going to start quoting Shakespeare and being super romantic. But they're like, but then how do we get him to town to see Supergirl? And it changed into this drunken ramble idiocy that ended up happening. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I felt petty and manwritten, and I just hated that Selena's ambition to take over the world wasn't enough conflict. She also had to be of be after Superman's guy, a Supergirl's guy. Yeah, like why was she so it into this random gardener? <laughs> like, who cares? That she was going to rule the world. <laughs> it wasn't enough that she was going to lose her planet and everyone she knows and loves. It had to conflict over a boy. 
Yeah, like this movie definitely fails the Bechdel test. (laughs) Felt gross. Uh, The whole conflict between Supergirl, the main villain. Yeah, as you said, it's just it's terrible. It's it's over a hunky dude. Like, that's it. It's just some hunky guy. He's like, there's nothing interesting about him. Um, The writing is cheesy. That's nothing I said. All the actresses were great and well cast, but they just had terrible dialogue. We had Peter O'Toole in this as Zaltar. Peter O'Toole. And you Dude, still mess yeah, it up. Talk about a caliber of actor. And Faye Dunaway is Serena, Selena, rather. And it's like, this uh-huh. is good people. Um, and yeah, you just really don't care about any of the characters because they aren't given any kind of fuller backstory or life. Like, there's just, we don't know anything about them. So I don't care what happens to any of them. <laughs> like, that's the problem. We're right. Uh, special effects were pretty good for the time, I thought, surprisingly. Um, uh, some of them, but some of them didn't do well. Uh, specifically, when she was fighting the big monster at the end mm-hmm. and it was like clearly a guy in a suit or a puppet or something. And then they just like very harshly at an angle laid her over top of the frame <laughs> and like stretched her out. So she wasn't really fighting this thing. Well, that was weird. It's like, she was so stretchy and stuff. That I, I just odd. think, I just think they had this, this scene written and they didn't have the budget to pull it off. Yeah. So she's going to fly through the air and punch this thing. And the guy's like, we can, we can't do that. There's also a famous uh, scene where she first flies out of the water in the beginning of the movie in her Supergirl costume. People have found out you can slow the frame down and you can see not only the wires pulling it out of her out of the water, but she is actually a picture cardboard cutout. (laughs) It's not actually the actress. (laughs) So they basically took a picture of her, made a huge cardboard cutout picture of her and then pulled out of the water with a wire. And it's not even a, the actress. So it, and she's nice. perfectly still. You can watch it. And it's really funny. Oh, man. Well, I got some trivia. If you're ready for that. Let's hit it. All right. So Christopher Reeve bowed out just before filming began. He was going to be in it as a cameo. Good call, man. But he's unavailable at the time. As so he says. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, the film's opening credits cost almost one million dollars to shoot. And I don't remember what was happening during the opening credits. But I guess I don't either. What? I'll have to rewatch it now. Yeah. So Mark McClure, who played Jimmy Olsen, is the only actor to reprise his role from any of the Superman films. What a weird choice. It was strange. the only guy they could get, I guess. And how how long are they going to sell that 42-year-old as like a 17-year-old paper boy? <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. He is a small dude. Gee, mister, I get to kiss a girl in this movie. You're 45. That's weird. I know. My mom said it would happen. <laughs> Your mom's 90. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Almost 85% of the film was shot on giant sound stages at Pinewood Studios, the famous studios out of England. Um, so, yeah, 85% of the film was not even outside or anything. Uh, the original script had Supergirl trying to rescue Superman, who had fallen ill due to Selena's magic. So that's interesting. That would be a movie. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, Brooke Shields was the first choice for the role of Supergirl, but was turned down because of her six foot height, which I think would have been better for Supergirl. Make her tall, you know. Um, Peter Cook, uh, this is the guy who played uh, Nigel. He would Uh later complain of Faye Dunaway's diva behavior on this film, Serena, and her constant lack of punctuality resulting in delays. And at one point, the producers even considered replacing her with Angelica Houston or Jane Fonda. (laughs) Oh, both of those would have been good choices. I think Faye Dunaway actually did her best with that role as she could with the script she was given. No, she didn't do badly. She acted well, yeah. But I could see either of those two actresses in in this role. They would have been good casting, too, yeah. Uh, Dolly Parton was offered $7 million to take the role of Selena, but she turned it down, claiming that she couldn't play a witch no matter how much money was offered. Um, oh. And uh, apparently Goldie Hawn also turned down the role. 
Good choices. Uh, the scenes in which the monster tractor destroys a town took 22 consecutive days to shoot. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh, Dude, John Travolta was falling a, apart. What? You could see that tractor thing was falling apart. <laughs> Probably by the end of the shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Travolta was approached to play Ethan the gardener, but he turned it down. Can't do um, call. Helen Slater would later play Superman's biological mother, Laura or Lara in Smallville in 2001, the series. And Cara cool. Danvers is adopted mother, Eliza Danvers in Supergirl 2015, the TV show. She was great in the TV oh. show, by the way. She plays Supergirl's Neat. mom, basically. Oh, OK, that's cool. Um, the original character, Selena, was brought into the comics and she was introduced in Supergirl number 10 in 2017 because she wasn't a real character before this movie at all. Um, 33 years after this film came out. She wasn't? No. And then Selena wow. also was on the Supergirl show as well, which is great. Interesting. Cool. Um, yeah, on a car radio during the movie, this is how they excuse why Superman's not around. A newsreader mentioned Superman went off to another galaxy. Um, and it was written because Chris Reeve couldn't be there. And Superman going off to another galaxy was reused in Superman Returns in 2006, where Superman returned to Earth five years after leaving Earth to go find out what is left of Krypton. So that's, and Superman Returns is technically supposed to be canon with Superman 1 and 2 as well. So, uh, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, they recast everybody, obviously, because they had to. But it was, in theory, supposed to be a continuation of the story from the one and two movies. I think Eli Roth kind of got the, is that his name? Oh, What's Brandon name? Routh. Brandon Routh. Kind of got the shaft and gets like depicted as the worst Superman, but he was in a rough movie. Yeah, and he was good. I think he, he cast he was casting the role well. Like he did. He looks a lot like um, Christopher Reeve's performance. Very earnest and honest and still being a big guy. You know, I thought that was great. But. Yeah. yeah. So a long uh, review of the movie and also a lot of trivia because it was an interesting, <laughs> interesting it's, piece of cinema. I don't know if it's worth a watch, but <laughs> one of those episodes where we go longer because the movie's really bad. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, I've got a little bit of a game. Ooh. All right. So Supergirl came out in 1984. And as we've talked about on Play Wars before, 1984 was a hell of a year for me. Oh, yes. Yeah. Hell of a year. And that's the name of this game. One hell of a year. Nice. So I'm going to name two movies, and you have to tell me which one is more highly rated. Highly rated, like like Rotten Tomatoes kind of rating, you mean? Uh, I'm going to be uh, Metascore. Okay, fair, fair. So current popularity and mixed with like review popularity. So there's like two things mixed together, like the people's yeah, opinion. Yeah, it was and the, the best I opinion. could find, and I didn't. I also didn't really want to do. No, it just might help my decision making if it's also the people giving their opinion and and. That's critics. my understanding. I looked up what Metascore meant, and that is what it informed me of. But it's not like it gave me the algorithm, right? You know? That's so cool. Who knows? All right. Um. All right. Are you ready? And all this will right. also illustrate all the movies that came out this friggin' year. <laughs> I'm ready. All right. Which one is more highly rated? Ghostbusters or The Neverending Story? gotta be ghostbusters it is ghostbusters Woo! <laughs> with a 7.8 to never ending story 7.4 that's pretty close though pretty close the terminator and a nightmare on elm street mm, terminator that is correct Woo! <laughs> uh, by a bigger margin this time terminator at 8.1 nightmare on elm street at 7.4 both good flicks though <laughs> all right this one this one might surprise you dune or the Karate Kid. Oh, the Karate Kid. That's right. By a full point at 7.3 Karate yeah. Kid. I know my 80s movies. Right. Gremlins or Red Dawn. Hmm. That's a little bit of a tougher one because 
I don't think Gremlins was very well received at the time, but if this is going from like now, though, I'm going to say Gremlins. That is correct. Yes. It was a Christmas movie released in the summer. Ah, yeah. Real, that's real weird. weird. <laughs> um, all right. Beverly Hills Cop. Footloose. Ooh. Footloose. I'm sorry. It's Beverly Hills Cop at a 7.3. Oh, man. My Footloose first Footloose at 6.6. Six. Oh, wow. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I guess Footloose was less popular than like Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing was like more of the, the hit. True. All right. Police Academy <laughs> or Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Ooh. Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom, 7.5 to 6.7. <laughs> Police Academy is 6.7. All right. That's right. <laughs> Sixteen candles, and this is Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap. That is correct. Yes. Sixteen candles with an impressive seven point zero, but uh, this is Spinal Tap, highest on the list so far to seven point nine. Yeah, man, everyone loves that flick. <laughs> All right, Children of the Corn, and Top Secret. Oh, mm, I'll eke it out by Children of the Corn. Uh, no, top secret by a mile, 7.2 <laughs> to Children of the Corns, 5.6, the yeah, lowest ouch. on the list so far. Ouch. Top secret's that like a uh, kind of airplane-esque movie, right? Uh, it's Val Kilmer playing like a spy, a <laughs> super spy, but it's sort of a lampoon on it. Yeah, yeah, like goofy comedy kind of thing. Um, all right, these next two are the closest we have. Ooh. The, the very closest we have. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension <laughs> or Revenge of the Nerds. Ooh. I'm going to go with Buckaroo Banzai. It is Revenge of the Nerds. 6.6 <laughs> to Buckaroo Banzai 6.2. Damn. Okay. I still haven't seen Buckaroo Banzai, but I have seen Revenge of the Nerds a long time ago. All right. This is the last one, and this is the closest. Ooh. All right. Star Trek three, the search for Spock or the last Starfighter. Both science fiction fantasy mainstays. But I will say people are not the biggest fans of the odd numbered Star Trek movies, including the search for Spock. So I'm going to go for last Starfighter, barely beating it out. That is correct. Yes. Search for Spock with a 6.6 last Starfighter with a 6.7. Just barely. I need. I still haven't seen Last Starfighter. But Last every Star. single one of the movies I just listed came out in 1984. What a year for movies, man! Including Red Dawn, the first PG-13 film. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Thanks about to that. Gremlins and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Right, because they were like they pushed the <laughs> envelope came out so just much. Slightly earlier in the year. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So that is one hell of a year. Yeah, there's only a few other years like that. Like 1999 was a big ass year for movies, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's 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 by itself. What's so do I this. guess that takes some radical recommends. I recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right, so I think we were doing shows, if not. Maybe we're on the hiatus. We've, of, we've done shows. We've done <laughs> of a play on nerds was on hiatus when I was watching the previous show that this producer made where I watched Veronica Mars um, because it was one of my fiance's favorite shows. So 
I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And I, I loved it. It was amazing. Also because I love Kristen Bell and everything. Kristen she does. Bell is so hot. She's so just, yeah. she's just adorable and funny and, and yeah, I, absolutely. And so I, we can say that because uh, my fiance has a crush on her too, but See? deal. The showrunner of that show, his name is Rob Thomas, which is funny. He's not the same Rob Thomas that's in that. What's that band? I can't remember. <laughs> From the uh, 90s. Matchbox 20. Matchbox 20. Not the same guy. Different I just Rob can't Tom. imagine them without Santana. That's right. Because <laughs> you're so smooth. Uh, <laughs> so he made yeah. another show after that called I Zombie, which was very popular for a long time there. I'd never seen an episode of it, but we watched the, the pilot episode and it's very fun because I watched uh, a lot of Lucifer, which is a similar kind of feel to this show because you have a supernatural element, Lucifer or a zombie, um, and they help solve crimes. So it's like a procedural, but there's also an overarching storyline that happens at the same time. Um, so it's kind of fun to watch in that way because it's not just like watching Law and Order where they're all completely separate. It doesn't really matter which episode you watch. Right. Um, but basically she becomes a zombie um but still has her capabilities about her but she needs to eat brains occasionally otherwise she will start going feral and turn more into a de- decrepit zombie and lose control of herself and want to you know attack people so she gets a job at a morgue because before she turned into a zombie she was a doctor or i believe okay. a nurse maybe and so at the morgue after the bot they're done with the body she just sneaks in a little brains but she finds out one day when this jane doe comes in that was murdered um and she eats her brains she suddenly gets flashes of memories of how the girl died because she could see what the girl experienced. And she's, she's able to speak the languages that girl could speak and have some of her skills for a short amount of time after she eats the brains of the person. So basically, she's going to start getting into a relationship with the, the police where they think she's a psychic, not knowing she's actually a zombie and having to eat the brains of the people that died to solve the mysteries of how they died. So it's just very fun, silly, and they don't take themselves too seriously in the show. And it's very... It's same humor as Veronica Mars. It's really funny. It's on Netflix now. Have you ever seen an episode okay. of it? Have I ever seen which one? Have you ever seen an episode of it? No, I have not. It's it's uh, it's too fun. many it, shows as it is. Yeah, there are way too many shows. <laughs> but it's a it's a fun one if you don't think too much about, and it's not like you know it's appointment viewing or something. So you can kind of just have it on the background, maybe watch an episode here or there. It's really cute. Um, but yeah, now she's on a new show now called like Ghosts or something like that. Or the house is haunted, but only she can see them, and she has to like become friends with the people who live in her house. They're all um, ghosts from different time periods. It's like six cents, but in a, a funny way, more like a, a comedy. Yeah, but so yeah, I Zombie, I recommend it, folks. So that takes us to some trailer reviews. All right, this week uh, we've got a sequel that I'm not sure who asked for it, but God, here it is. Orphan first kill. This is a sequel. I didn't know that. <laughs> Orphan came out in 2009. I remember that movie. Years, uh, and it is. If you haven't seen the first one, I mean, go watch a trailer. This trailer literally tells you what's happening. This uh, little girl, quote unquote, uh, has all sorts of problems, and she gets shifted from family to family. But really, she's like a 36 year old woman posing as a little girl who murders her families. Oh my god. <laughs> um. And the best part is, is that the actress who played it, you know, in 2009 is the same one for this. But at the time she was like younger Mm -hmm. and she was playing a 30 whatever year old playing a younger. But now she's actually that age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm not sure if that holds up or not. She did look older. 
And it, re- it reminded me of this, a true story that I don't know if that happened in and 2009. And that's what this is based off of. Yeah. It was based off that true story? It is. Because the, the pre- inspired by, quote unquote. Right. Because the, the people I'm thinking of, the story I'm thinking of, they adopted a girl from like uh, some Eastern European country, like uh, mm-hmm. Russia. And when they got the girl, she looked a little odd, but they said she had some developmental issues. So they're like, okay, that's fine. But she, you know, would say things that sounded older than she should sound, and then she would threaten them sometimes. I thought that was odd. Turns out she was like, yeah, like 35 years old. And this, but she never killed like them a growth though. Issue, yeah. This is that story. That oh, it is. So they, the it was inspired by that story, but they just added murders to it. Yes, I and see. then the pre. This is a prequel to the one that came out in 2009. I see. So, I don't know. I'm okay with a good horror. It makes me sad that we're like as out of ideas <laughs> this much. We have to yeah. rehash like a mediocre film from 12 years ago. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It well, looks creepy. I just did a, um, a, one of those videos I narrate for that entertainment company. They're list, a list of like the best exorcism movies. And they mm-hmm. said they reviewed uh, the Ouija two, because I remember the Ouija movie coming out, but the Ouija I board, remember that. And they said the Ouija one was critically panned. It was awful. They don't know why they gave it a chance to to make a sequel, but they had Mike Flanagan make it, who now does House uh, Haunted Hill, the House of Bly Manor House or whatever that's on Netflix. Okay, yeah. And so he's he's very successful um, horror person now, and they they gave it to him, and he made a fabulous sequel that's much better than the first movie. <laughs> so it's like maybe this one will be like that, where it's like it was a mediocre now everyone's movie. Everyone's trying to capture that lightning in a bottle. Yeah, exactly. So who knows? Maybe it'll be good. And we're reviewing horror movies now, guys, because there's not a lot of other things coming out because we've done all the trailers already for everything else. So you got to deal with it. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give this one uh, one Raul Julia uh, tra- getting ready to go to the premiere of this. And he's dressed up as one of the little twin girls from The Shining. <laughs> and he expects Gary Busey to show up as the other twin. They arranged it. And he pulls up and Gary Busey is in like a rabbit costume. <laughs> and Raul Julia is upset with him the entire night. Because now Raul Julia is just there alone dressed as a little girl. <laughs> I give this um, one Gary Busey sitting alone in a dark room watching television. You're panning up behind him as he's just sitting there still watching TV. And at the corner of the room, out of the darkness, that little orphan girl walks out and she has a knife in her hand. And he sees her and he goes, oh, no, little girl, it's on. We're going to fight this out. <laughs> they fight for like a knife 30 minute boot. fight scene. <laughs> yeah, he pulls a knife like out of his butt and just like just kind of starts attacking her, too. <laughs> I put it in there every morning just for this. That's my flesh pocket. <laughs> so, yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right, cool. That brings us to the end of episode 153 of the uh, Play on Nerds podcast. What are we doing next time, Steve? Well, next time, the much-awaited sequel, speaking of much-awaited sequels, uh, Clerks 3 is coming out. So to honor it, we're going to review the much-panned Clerks 2. Yes. <laughs> but until next time, keep on coming back and being our nerdy audience. We'll keep on coming back and being your nerdy co-hosts. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Yeah. 
Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Feel free to email feedback at aplayonnerds.com with all your questions or comments. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and earn yourself a sweet shout out on the show. Review us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so even more nerds can find us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, we aren't picky. Check out our entire back catalog and other offerings at aplayonnerds.com. And how? How?